0: Hey, this is Robert Mason, The Ringer NFL Show. Even though the Super Bowl is over, free agency, the combine, and the draft are all right around the corner, and The Ringer NFL Show will have you covered bringing everything you need to know. You can subscribe to The Ringer NFL Show at iTunes.com slash The Ringer or wherever you get your podcasts. the Masked Man program, I'm David Shoemaker, aka the Masked Man. Dave Schilling, how you doing man? Good, intellectual chocolate, back at it. Yeah, it sounds better when you say it than when I say it. Does not it? So, uh, Raw was really big this week, Smackdown was really big, I mean everything felt big this week, uh, including, I guess right off the top we should talk about the Elimination Chamber. Yeah, we
1: Actually, watched it together. Speaking of big, speaking oh, yeah. of big it's um, right. there's,
0: there's also some Andre the Giant documentary stuff we've got to talk about, but we'll hit that at the end of the show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we watched the Elimination Chamber together, your lovely uh, lovely East Los Angeles abode. Thanks, buddy. Don't don't blow up my spot and tell all the kids where I live. Oh, man. Um, I, if if they could if if anybody listening to the show can like you know find their way to Eagle Rock I, I, they they deserve that <laughs> out with you <laughs> really narrowing it down why don't you just tell them the street I'm on too Shoemaker that'll, sheesh that'll come in the that'll come in the second half of the program so people <laughs> stick around and you'll get Dave Schilling's address great um so the elimination chamber was I mean there was actually a lot of cool matches and stuff but it, I mean it was it was a it, and not not to be disrespectful, but it was a one-match show. Yeah, no, I definitely
1: was super into the main event. And I did not like the Elimination Chamber gimmick when it was first around. I like how they redesigned the cage. Yeah, cage I like good. all the lights
0: and all the doodads on it. it the lights in the—I pr- mean, I, I didn't go back and watch all the elimination chambers. I didn't feel that. I mean, I wasn't that passionate about this pay per view or anything. But I, but it, it seemed to me that ex- the things that made the elimination Chamber so silly in its previous incarnation were some of the coolest parts, like the cool camera angles, the light, the light up parts of it, all that kind of stuff. Like it all felt—it felt very legit.
1: Yeah, that that spot where Ambrose jumps off the pod was really cool, uh, and then a lot of great near. Falls and was booked incredibly well, um, and then having it be AJ and Bray at the end was a surprise, but a welcome surprise. And AJ was selling his ass off that one whole match. thing that
0: they do, the WWE is do does really well is these days, the past year or so. It's just like the subtle in-game teases. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was it's just like you don't realize how specific your expectations are for like every segment of the match or like, especially for in-game and they'll do that it's like we, i always talk about the way they used roman reigns to trick you into thinking he's winning and that's like his main purpose most my you know his best purpose at least now these days and um and yeah i think in the elimination chamber when cena got pinned clean right mm-hmm. every it was just such a weird moment such an un- unexpected twist that that it it made you sit up and pay a lot of attention and and made you appreciate the ending a lot more.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and that great spot with Miz picking up the scraps and then, of course, getting all his his hot spots in and then getting eliminated. It was a
0: great little moment for him even though he wasn't really in the match very long. The the good thing about the Elimination Chamber compared to some of its other, some of the things, well, whatever you compare it to, somewhere between the Rumble and Hell in a Cell or whatever, is that it's just the right size to do the perfect version of what the Miz did. That was like the plateau Tonic ideal of the like get all your spots in look really good and then just get pinned yep. you know just get mm-hmm. tossed right out totally it's just, yeah I mean it's it was a really it was a nice uh, it, it was it was just a really well booked match I mean I was I was pleasantly surprised with, I mean I, I don't even have anything bad to say about about you know uh, about Baron Corbin in the match I mean it was it was just really well put together it was good yeah and the rest
1: of the card wasn't so hot we were kind of griping a little bit during the show. Up until the main event, but you know, once once the uh, the the main started, we were we were back into it. And Bray Wyatt, congratulations, you deserve it.
0: Yeah, uh, I was I was on Bill Simmons' podcast this week, as some people listening to this might know, to talk about Andre the Giant. But we also talked about Elimination Chamber and the Road to WrestleMania. And Bill was not. Um, Bill was not really high on the on the Bray Wyatt win. But and this is and I and we talked about it, and he's fine with it. You know, you can listen to the podcast and and you know, see this, this deep therapy session that we had, <laughs> listen to hear it for yourself. But I think um I don't without meaning to get without getting too meta on the subject, I definitely think that there's a lot of fans, probably not the target audience of this podcast, but there's a lot of fans out there for whom it doesn't. It's never going to seem like a legitimate win until you're already in that Cena echelon. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like the same way they're just like giving Cena title wins just to just to like get the tally up to seventeen. Um, in some ways, you got to give somebody a couple title runs just to make like the, the the more casual fans care when they're in the main event at WrestleMania or whatever. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's why Dean Ambrose got his his run with the belt in the summer was we just need to get
1: him up to that point. Exactly. And he's got to win the belt, and they, people got to stop talking about when is he going to win the belt. And Bray Wyatt was treated like a jobber to the stars for years. You know, his first WrestleMania, he was dropping to John Cena. He was built to be a monster, and then he gets slayed. And yeah. then it's this sort of this yo-yo effect of him going up and down the card. And so this was necessary to cement him as someone who belongs
0: on the poster, who belongs in the commercials, yeah. who
1: belongs sitting next to John Cena on at a press conference.
0: And I mean, they don't, it's not like WrestleMania's next weekend, although with the schedule the way it is, maybe it is and I just forgot. But, <laughs> you know, they have some time to kind of build him up to insinuate yeah. him, ensconce him more, more, uh, more completely in the, as the main eventer. Now, uh, who knows what's going to happen at WrestleMania, but I would love to see a run, a long run with Bray as champ and actually make him Storyline, the sort of like heel champ that Lesnar was. You know, Bray. Uh, sidebar to say, one of the great things about Bray Wyatt being champion is I'll get to see him wrestle more probably. But yeah, um, but though I mean, I think that Bray Wyatt's character should just be not necessarily a heel, but just a sort of, you know, just weird domineering. Heelish title holder, you know he should be. He should be cutting promos on every Raw, I mean on every SmackDown, and then like refusing matches. And if they said no, you have to, he can just say no, fire me. You know, I mean he can just be this sort of Floyd Mayweather almost, just like he fights when and where he wants to fight, and he can but still have a huge presence on the show. Um, I don't know. I just think. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just excited to see where it could go. There's a there's a way to do this where he is not. Fully a heel,
1: not fully a babyface. Not necessarily an Austin-style yeah, but something that we haven't seen before as a wrestling character. And what I like about this storyline is that there are no babyfaces or heels, really, in
0: this Wyatt family um, disintegration. It's like when he got the You Deserve a Chance to start SmackDown. It didn't feel out of place from like a kayfabe perspective, right? right? It's he, he can be a well, he can be a respected pro wrestler. Yeah, um, I, let's just keep the magic to a minimum. That's my only advice. Let him let him <laughs> yeah, shine no and keep the magic to a minimum. He's he is a, he he has the potential, and I'm not saying like five years from now potential. He has the potential to be one of your three to five biggest stars right now. Um, uh, and I think it's just a matter of like putting the camera on him and letting him be Bray Wyatt in the main event spotlight. That's
1: what we've been saying for years now, and I'm glad that they've caught up to what we as
0: fans have been saying about his potential and his ceiling, which is, I think, unlimited. Um, yeah, so anyway, that was... I mean, it was a cool ending. It was an ending we had predicted. I mean, most fans, not like we like looked into a crystal ball or something like that, <laughs> right. but that's where all the rumors were pointing. Um, and then on SmackDown... We um, got yeah, kind of an interesting ending where, um, first of all, great match between Bray and Cena and AJ. I mean, I, I you know, there's the old joke from about Raw. I mean, even dating back to the Attitude Era where they'll have the main event and then give you the real main event the next night on Raw. They'll have the main event of the pay-per-view and then give you the, you know, the rematch immediately so you don't even have to watch. But um, this felt like the exact right like moment to do just to shotgun the important rematch. First of all, it kind of closes the book in so much as that's significant on, you know, potential comp- competition, um, or rematch clauses, I guess, in storyline terms. But they were able just to have a really good match, you know, and just sort of set this. Like I think that that it, it, that's the way to, you know, to prove that Bray is a deserving champion and. Uh, And also, you know, even for nerds like us to give us a little more confidence that they're going to, like, let him shine, like we were just talking about.
1: Yeah, with a guy like him who hasn't had the belt before, who wins it in surprising fashion for those people who are not consuming rumors all day, he had to get that win that says, this is not a fluke, this is not a joke, this is not a hot shot, this is our plan, to let the fans sort of settle into this idea. Another clean pin over John Cena is the thing that everybody knows he needs to get in order to get
0: to the next level. Yeah, I mean, Cena was great in that match. In both matches, just making people look good, that's his greatest skill now, you know? And, and yeah, I really appreciated that. But then, after the match, and AJ, I mean, nothing... I mean, we haven't even said the name AJ Styles in this podcast so far, but he's, um, I mean he was the MVP maybe of the elimination chamber. I thought he was like really hurt the entire
1: match like toward the end when he just like
0: face was all it looked like he'd taken a real taken a real forearm to the face or something or a cage to the face. Yeah I think that was the imprint of the cage but he just did
1: a stellar job in that match and it wouldn't be the same match without his his presence.
0: I mean there are there are finishing moves that are you know infallible like the RKO or something like that which is just like as long as as long as the person you're you're putting it on is like 5% aware that they're supposed to bump it looks great right mm-hmm. uh, Sister Abigail isn't one of those moves but AJ oh. like no one else could have made it look as just legit and painful as AJ did in the chamber because um, sometimes that transition from like the catch to the whatever like the deep bow to the you know to the to impact looks a little bit awkward because people don't land on their face like they're supposed
1: to they land on their shoulder or sometimes they flip and they end up on their back like i think cena
0: did that um on tuesday anyway um so the smackdown ends with randy orton coming out
1: i won the royal rumble and all the privileges that come with it but you are the wwe champion however i refuse to face you at wrestlemania I appreciate that there's some thought put into casting or, 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 or uh, you know, growing seeds of doubt in the minds of the fans about what's actually going to happen. Where are we going for WrestleMania? I don't think that we're going to get to a situation where someone else is in the main event of WrestleMania. There's nobody for him to wrestle. Um, obviously, Cena's got stuff going on. AJ's got stuff going on. Dean Ambrose has got stuff going on. If anybody's going to win that battle royal on Tuesday of next week, it's Luke Harper. Yeah. Let's just think about that for a little bit. Luke Harper.
0: Luke Harper. Could be in the main event of WrestleMania. Who who made an appearance during the main event, at the beginning of the main event. Um, And certainly seems to be being positioned as a legitimate threat or uh, like as a you know a main event caliber wrestler right is that safe is that fair to say
1: yeah no i think he's been he's been positioned just slightly outside of the main event he hasn't really gotten a victory over anyone of any significance i assume if he wins his battle royal that will be not quite enough but enough to in storyline terms make him a number one contender of a sort that said, I think they need to build him up a little bit more. They need to give him some more motivation besides just not liking Randy Orton. Who is Luke Harper besides a former cult member?
0: <laughs> Maybe he's the voice of the voiceless. Maybe he's the new voice of the voiceless. He's the, he's he's there for all the fans who don't want to see another Orton title run. I guess so,
1: yeah. Just like a, a potential spoiler, an agent of chaos in this match. But if you if you really want to get to that place where you are... In the upper echelon of WWE, you have to have a character with motivations that are understandable, that are clear. And Luke Harper is right now just a guy with a beard.
0: What Wait. else is there besides that? Well, yeah, it's interesting. Five years ago, being the guy with the beard would have been enough for a gimmick. But now yeah. it's not in, in 2017. Not There's quite. a lot of beards in WWE right Do we now. know who's in the battle Royal yet or No. No, it was announced
1: on Talking Smack, and they have not released a list. I'm sure it'll be a last minute decision
0: who's going to be in it and who's not going to be in it. So how are we? So so fantasy booked this for me. What's what's the road between? How, how does now to WrestleMania go? So
1: Orton refuses to wrestle Bray Wyatt. Luke Harper wins the Battle Royal. Randy Orton gets. Uh, you know, nervous that Luke Harper might win the belt, so he says, "Well, I still won the Royal Rumble, so I'm going to also be in this match, and it'll end up being two on one, uh, or it'll be a triple threat, or whatever. Some combination so two of these on three one, guys. They
0: they take care of Luke Harper, and then somehow punch each other in the process, and end up having a match. I, I would think on the road
1: in the, in the weeks leading up to WrestleMania, there will be some some seeds of tension uh,
0: between. Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton Or how about this What if this is all What if Orton This is all part of Orton's Long con <laughs> I know that he just fought I know that he just brutally fought Luke Harper on Sunday But What if It goes just like you Like you planned They have to have a number one contender Luke Harper gets it WrestleMania ends up being a triple threat And then Luke Harper and Randy Orton Team up to take the belt From Bray Wyatt Luke Harper just lays out Bray Wyatt And was just like Go ahead Randy Take the pin that's weird, <laughs> but I mean, it's the nice thing about this match is that it
1: doesn't have to carry the show. Obviously, Goldberg and Lesnar is the real main event, and we'll probably close the show. And you've got Owens and Jericho, which you know is going to be a hot match. We'll, we'll get to that, in that hot just a match. minute. Yeah, that's great. Um, I can't wait. So this can be kind of a weird, like fifteen-minute <laughs> psychological thriller of a sort. Why not? Why not have it be that strange? But I think. I think, ultimately, Bray's going to keep the belt. Right now, in my bones, I think he's going to retain the
0: title. As weird as that sounds. At Mania. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, oof, I think I can go either way. It's weird, like you said, there's no faces and there's no heels, so I don't know if this is going to be the sort of match that comes down to a last-minute decision about like card pacing at WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, in another era, you know, evil Bray Wyatt versus... Randy Orton about to turn babyface would be a match that you make that decision based on what you have before and after it, sort of. Because if as long as it's this kind of 50-50. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, I think that <clears throat> unless there's a big Randy Orton angle that we're not seeing, you know, then I think that, you're, I think that the move has to be to leave the title, to, to give Bray the WrestleMania win. Let his yeah. WrestleMania streak begin. Why not? And
1: I think that it's great because... This story is so non-traditional and so clouded and mysterious and odd. And then the other side on Raw, you've got Owens and Jericho, which is the most classic heel, baby face, uh, sort of blood feud that yeah. you could get in wrestling. It's like Memphis, as you always say. You know, it's very much a an
0: old school territory type of booking thing. Yeah. And the, I mean, and. Yes, I mean they couldn't have booked that more straightforwardly. I even asked a couple of weeks ago who was going to be the baby face, you know, the nominal hero in this and um man, I mean I the, the, that is not a question even in this era that had any there was no shades of gray in that in that uh in the cele- the Friendship Festival, what was it? The Festival, festival of Friendship. Friendship. Yeah. We get to have one of those soon. We it's should. It's really working out well with you on the podcast, and I think a festival is in order. Um, just don't turn on me and throw me into a window, man. We will... Listen, you you, you can't you can't make those kind of demands, I gotta tell you. <laughs> okay, I'll just, uh, I'll just uh, take my chances. Before we talk about Rob, here's a quick word from one of our sponsors. As important as home security is, it shouldn't come at the expense of signing your life away... On a confusing long term contract. Thankfully, there's a smarter way to protect your home Simply Safe Home Security. These are the guys that I trust. Built by a Harvard educated engineer to make you safer, Simply Safe provides professional monitoring with police dispatch so your home is safe around the clock. Plus, it's wireless, portable, with a cellular connection built in. And there's no lines that intruders can snip. You can even download the Safe app on your iPhone or Android smartphone and take control of your security remotely. And with Safe, 24-7 protection is just 15 bucks a month, which is a third of what most places charge. There's no annual contracts. There's no middlemen. Uh, Simply Safe is just really unbeatable protection at a great value, um, and like I said, no contracts. So protect your home the smart way. Visit simplysafe.com/ringer to get 10% off your system today. That's simplysafe. S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E. dot com slash ringer.
1: I'm gonna need Simply Safe after you reveal the address to my house on the air. This is how
0: we do this—this, uh, this, this viral marketing, man. Good grief! I mean, I wow. Work this into the work this into the program. You are you and Jim, our, our producer, Jim, are just devious. Jim was just in here before we went on the air, telling us about how every time he, had, he used to be in a in a stage show, and every time they went to San Francisco, they'd get their car, their windows smashed in, and their cars robbed. Which happened to Heath Slater in the Ascension this week. For some reason, this is the first, this is like the only news bite of the past like five years where I where I just default into kayfabe only mode, and I'm just like, really, Heath Slater in the He's in got the Ascension? Kids. <laughs> Heath Slater should be, yeah, Heath Slater should be like you know in like a turnip truck or something driving around, yeah um or a convertible. I don't really know which one, but like an old Mustang or something like that would be fine. Something missing one or two hubcaps. Yeah. Um the ascension uh should either be on like motorcycles or just teleporting. I can't wait. <laughs> like which what is the what is the appropriate kayfabe mode of transportation for the ascension? I think they should
1: fly. They should have big like wings like uh, bat the, wings like the flying monkeys from uh, Wizard of Oz. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because they're evil, just like those monkeys.
0: Yeah, um, are you are you buying into the legitimization of uh, of the ascension? I'm fascinated by it. Uh, it's bizarre because they were, like I said, about Bray
1: Wyatt buried for so long, and now we're <laughs> supposed to think of them as a threat. Granted, Bray Wyatt was never buried to the extent that the ascension were buried, but it's it's a similar situation where because the rosters have split. There are guys who were sort of castoffs or, or uh, considered less than when it was just Raw, and then SmackDown was a clear B show. So now people like the Ascension and Bray Wyatt and Heath Slater, all these guys are getting more attention than they did before. Yeah. You have the opportunity. We'll go ahead and finish. Oh I'm no, sorry. I was just gonna just just saying that the Ascension is clearly taking the ball and running with it. Trying to change up their entrances and and do things and 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 have some more flavor to their their uh, their deal their ca- their characters.
0: You see, yeah, but the deal with the brand split as it stands right now is that you have more opportunity than you certainly than you would have had before it, um, but. Uh, there's the, the smaller rosters that give you that opportunity. Also, mean that like somebody's basically have to be if somebody. It's like somebody's got to be a jobber, you know, yeah. on every episode of every show. Yeah, because because not every match can be a blood feud. Not every match can be a perfect make both guys look good sort of setup. So yeah, you're gonna have long stretches of time where someone like like the Ascension or someone like I don't know Apollo Cruz or whoever like looks is just like jobs. For lack of a better word, and then they're gonna. Ha- then you kind of have to like buy into the fact that like when they get the push, then they're a whole different person
1: or people. <laughs> right. Um, it's just like, well, Christ, we need somebody right now to do this match. Why not these dudes with face paint? It's it makes sense. It's just I don't know what they have to do to really make them credible. Short of letting them actually win a match on
0: SmackDown once. Yeah. One time. Just one time. Yeah. I mean, they were trying with the announced team, but it's, there's a limit to what you can do. Yeah. You got to win, you know? You got to
1: count that fall, one, two, three, and get a W to really be taken seriously by anyone.
0: Um, yeah. And I just don't know what they, I mean, what, they, I like the fact that they're working matches, you yeah. know? But they're, I mean, they're not like an easy thing to do would be, I mean, not an easy thing. One thing to do would just be to make them less of a, you know, ring team and more of just like a just a, you know somebody's strong guys or whatever. You know, Although go. ahead. <laughs> Join the Wyatt family. Yeah, Done. that might be a good. That might be a, actually a good look for them. Absolutely. Um, because I don't know. I yeah. I mean, I there's there's the, I, I assume that the that the uh, what are the NXT tag champs names? The uh, Masters of, a- uh, authors, the of authors of Pain. The, the Masters of Sex. The ma- Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. The, um, yeah, Authors of Pain. I, I assume Authors of Pain will end up on Raw because they're, you know, a good look. I mean, they're a big time thing. But if they end up on SmackDown, that sort of takes a lot of the thunder away from the Ascension as they exist, right? Especially Ooh. because... Yeah, geez. I
1: mean, that that means the Ascension is expendable.
0: Yeah, so prob- so they'll probably end up on Raw. Yeah, But I mean, Paul Ellering it'd be impossible to have Paul Ellering interact with the Ascension in any way and not have it be this incredibly meta moment absolutely speaking of incredibly meta moments we will get back to Jericho and and, uh, and Kevin Owens shortly but maybe the most meta moment in the history of professional wrestling happened on Monday night um, when Emelina finally debuted after how many weeks? 17 17 weeks of video <laughs> promos actually not
1: 17 weeks of promos but 17 weeks of her being out I think yeah okay. maybe maybe the promos
0: were going the whole time that would be the sad the promos have been going for months good god <laughs> so she finally appears and um announces that she's transforming back to Emma I just think of her like
1: as a as a caterpillar turning into a butterfly and then the butterfly is like you know what flying sucks I'm going to be it, a Caterpillar again. I feel like what there's, the like a, feel like there's a good
0: like Pokemon Go joke to make here that I have no idea. I have nothing about Pokemon Like a again.
1: Charizard and a Charmander yeah, kind of exactly. deal?
0: This is the worst angle I've seen
1: on WWE TV in a long time. And the, the scuttlebutt is that they did uh, trial runs and rehearsals of whatever this character was going to be,
0: and she sucked at it. It's supposed to be like a 90s style Sable or like the cat or whatever gimmick. Right, where the gimmick is she's hot <laughs> and blonde. <laughs> Great. And has and has a, a body like hand hand body paint over her boobs. One,
1: how do you pull that off or how do you not pull that off because it's really just like you standing in a bikini. Sable didn't do anything special. Sable didn't cut a bunch of like scathing promos. She said that she was sexy and that all the girls wanted to be her and all the guys wanted to be with her and whatever her catchphrase was. So what did Emma do that was so terrible? But then the other thing I have to ask is, why did anybody think that they could do that gimmick in 2017 on a PG-rated TV show? <sighs> it, was, it was, you know, I hate to say it, but it was very masturbatory, the whole Sable gimmick. But that's not what they do anymore. The Divas Revolution or the Women's Revolution... Created an environment for women to get over as workers, as wrestlers, as
0: equals, and superstars. Yeah. So what was this Lena thing supposed to be? I don't. It's a weird one, and I don't. I mean, I've, I've, I think I've spoken one time in my life to Emma. Yeah. Uh, She's good. I like her. I, I really I just like know. her. I like her in the ring, and I, I like her personality. I mean, it was on NXT. It was really great, and I think there's a lot of potential there. I. From what little I know about, I mean, like I said, met her one time. Don't know, have any particular opinion, but just from seeing her on screen, I just can't imagine how. Aside from her being just drop dead gorgeous, I don't know how, why you would choose her to be your '90s throwback pinup girl. I don't
1: either. Uh, and also, if you're gonna start running these these vignettes, maybe figure out if she can play the
0: character All right. first. All right. Okay. So. <laughs> there were there were there was talk on the internet several like a month ago that this was the gimmick was never going to happen and they were just running the promos as like a rib basically it's like an in joke like they at some point they must have known by week 5 that she was never going to play this character right. and they just kept running the promos this is the problem when you have a well i'm not going to say this is a well told story but if you have sort of a long form wrestling arc when it's not the main event then you actually run the risk of, a bit of it, it. Sometimes that allow you're able to tell a story sort of under the radar, and it becomes a great story because you've been, you've had this time to maneuver. and You're a little bit out of the spotlight, so if Vince or whoever's not paying as much attention. You can have this great long running storyline. The flip side of that is you run the risk of someone just saying, "No, you're not. This storyline's not on TV for the next three weeks because we got bigger fish to fry." Right. Right. And I, you know, you you wonder with. Uh, with Emily you know em, the Emma Emma-Lina thing. If at some point they were just like, uh, th- I mean, th- you just give up on it. But like nobody's nobody steps in to say like, do we stop running the promos? Do like what? Um, I don't know. It's a, it's it, in some way though. It's sort of like if this was all the plan. It's sort of brilliant. Now maybe she should have debuted as Emelina, going back to Emma, going back to what I was saying before. Maybe that maybe last maybe Monday night er- segment should have happened a month ago. Uh, it's just so strange. It's now, weird. We, so it's there's still a lot weird. to play out. If she comes back, I mean, what she could be? What, what if she's like the female McFoley, where she just has like two different personalities? Uh, that would be awesome. And there's like Emma, the fun-loving, like regular person, and Emma Lina the, the sultry diva, the sultry diva who like you know screams at Jacqueline to, and stuff. Um, S- Sable Jacqueline feud is one of my all-time favorite like bad feuds. Go back and watch those videos. Oh, I don't want to. I mean, there's something to be said for this era where, like, it's not just the women. All across wrestling, there were so many people who were like bad promos, and they just said, "like Just go yell as loud as you can," and just let's we'll turn the mics down. Are we talking about Steve Blackman right now? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, it's <laughs> Sorry just, to name names, Steve um, Blackman. that's nah, really great. Anyway, I hope that they do something with this Emilia thing. At a bare minimum, I'll be happy to see her back on TV. Um, I'll be happy to see a fourth. Uh,
1: woman wrestler on Raw we got well, four five, five. I'm after sorry after the
0: main event which we I guess we should since we're there we should discuss that. there were four involved in the main event in the two person main event I should say both Dana Brooke and Sasha Banks got involved in the match between Charlotte Flair and Becky I mean sorry and Bailey. um I like last names. Last names make it really easy to, like, make it easier to, to, uh, to differentiate between people's names. So that's why we have Charlotte Flair now instead of just Charlotte. Well, that's why we have last names also. Yeah. I mean, if we all were, like, <laughs> if, if we, like, you know, if this were a thousand years ago, we would just both be David and it would be really hard to tell us apart.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, quick anecdote. Went to the barber shop, asked for my regular uh, stylist, Evelyn. And uh, they pointed to this other woman. I was like, "No, no, Evelyn." It's like, "Well, no, that's also Evelyn." Like, well, you can't just do that <laughs> put, on the on the online uh, ordering or scheduling thing. Put a last initial. That's it.
0: Yeah, that's Whatever. Really weird. I'm
1: sorry. I'm just griping now.
0: Maybe that was Evelyn all along. Maybe you just, maybe, maybe that's another, this, this is another Mandela effect situation. I thought it was some fucking crazy thing that happened that's to so me. So but strange.
1: Anyway, um, um, I like
0: the main event. I just don't understand why we have to do another title change. Like, well, this so, can, this goes to, <laughs> this is, you can make the same argument I was making about Bray. You put the title on her to sort of legitimize her. And we, and I think, I feel like, before the swapping back and forth uh, of the title between Sasha and Charlotte began, the first—I I, tell me, correct me if I'm getting this wrong—but there was, I think, the first her, Sasha's first title win came right before SummerSlam, and everybody was like, well, why, "Why don't you do it at SummerSlam?" Yeah,
1: it was—it was the night uh, of the the uh, the first night after the brand split. It was yeah. the night when Finn Balor. Premiered as well. That was a crazy raw. One of the best raws of the last five years, I think. Um, but yeah, it's, it it doesn't make any sense. Well, I think the
0: answer for Sasha Charlotte that I gave at the time, and I think there's a lot of legitimacy to it, is that it's it's easier to book, uh, you know, champ versus champ or a champ versus former champ match um, at, on a, at on a big show like SummerSlam, mm-hmm. um, especially when casual fans show up. It's easier to just say that than to explain that she's been chasing the title for you know seven years or something. You know, not not that it's been that long. Yeah, but uh, clearly there is some of this logic going on in like the overall booking strategy, right? But, yeah,
1: but there's also I think uh, something to be said about continuing the
0: angle of Charlotte being unstoppable I, on pay per view. That's what that's what I, all of that was in service of saying. I think this was a dumb decision. Yeah, I think that. Bailey more I mean Bailey may look less formidable than even Sasha but that's her character right you know I mean that and and if you I mean Charlotte has has done so well over the past year year and a half of just like of of taking the best parts of her dad's character and sort of you know just evolving a little bit um you know Flair had a lot of championship feuds against people who you don't didn't think had any chance and but what what made what made some of his great sort of like top dog underdog feuds work wasn't that the other person stole a win necessarily or like got a, and certainly not got a title win it was that um like Flair was just so overconfident yeah. that you thought that this person might have a chance mm-hmm. Right? Like, Flair just talks so much trash that you're just like, oh, he's overlooking this guy.
1: But there was also, you know, a big part of Ric Flair's character was that he was devious enough to keep the belt, and he, he, you wanted to see him lose it so badly to the Ricky Steamboats and the Dusty Rhodeses of the world, and they kept teasing it and teasing it, and finally it happens, and it's such a wonderful moment, and then you do the, the rematch, and then you do the blow-off. But with Charlotte, it just seems like she's constantly losing. She doesn't seem dominant. She doesn't seem particularly devious anymore. She just seems like someone who can't win on Monday night. Maybe she should switch to SmackDown. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, sure. Why not? Or just quit quit agreeing to wrestle matches. Yeah, why don't you
1: just be like, you know what? It's Monday. I, this is my day off. But I'll, I'll see you on Sunday night. Next Sunday, we can wrestle. Right now, just no thanks. I, I, I'm watching football.
0: Um, if they ever decide to spend the women's division off into its own show, and, I, and I'm not in favor of it, but if they ever made the call to say, like, we're just going to have the Thursday night women's wrestling or whatever... That would be the greatest kayfabe explanation for it. If Charlotte was just like, I refuse to wrestle on Mondays anymore, I always lose. Yeah? Big picture on Raw. It seems like there is a... Maybe this is just me. I'm not going to say certainly. It It feels like we are moving towards, if not another era of the authority, a sort of interestingly overarching evil McMahon's situation on Raw. Am I crazy to say this? We have Stephanie, who's, like, opening the show as a heel in so much as Roman Reigns is a babyface. Just, like, taking over that part of the feud. Triple H is entering the arena with Samoa Joe. Obviously has ties to to Kevin Owens. Um, must be behind this beatdown of Sami Zayn. Uh, I mean, the tentacles are sort of everywhere, Right. Right. Um, And then, of course, there's the Seth Rollins situation that's that's ongoing, Um, and they're teasing McFoley getting fired
1: as as the uh, general manager commissioner. That's one of the rumors. I mean, that's
0: one of the rumors that was out this week that they're that they are actually spoiler alerts. Jump 15 seconds are actually going to replace him with Kurt Angle after WrestleMania. Oh, that'd be amazing. No, I don't know if that's a McMahon. That would be a McMahon-approved sort of situation, or what? Anyway. yeah, I mean I it's it is very interesting. First of all, Samoa Joe um had a great debut. Was that just last week? Yeah. 2 weeks ago. Followed it up with a with an even better. I mean th- this was a this was a great week for Samoa Joe. What a promo. What a promo. Wow. It was just like
1: old school. It was focused, uh it was aggressive and he wasn't going for jokes. He wasn't trying to You know, oversell things. It never got campy. It was just like, this guy's a legitimate badass. He's going to hurt people. And that's what you want from heels, I think. I don't think you want, and we'll get to Kevin Owens later, but you don't want what Kevin Owens became for the last six months to be your top
0: heel. You want a guy like Samoa Joe. And then Joe showing up to take on Sami Zayn or to beat up Sami Zayn, I thought was just really good. So are they going to fight at Fastlane? We have this Fastlane.
1: Yeah, so because of the Seth Rollins injury, they need a match for Samoa Joe. Mojo. And Sami Zayn obviously is not going to be working with Chris Jericho because Chris Jericho is, in kayfabe terms, very, very hurt and probably won't show up for a while.
0: What? Was this the greatest thing that's ever happened on wrestling, or am I am I overstating it? <laughs> it's definitely not the greatest thing that ever happened in wrestling, and you know it owes
1: so much of a debt to things like the barbershop or Piper's Pit, or you know, all those great sort of blood feud turns that uh, w- would happen in the 80s and 90s. At the same time,
0: it was the best executed version of that oh, yeah. in 15 to 20 She's years. Talking about, it's, just, it's a lot of small things, but here's one small thing. I, I flash back to my childhood, because this was the first time I've seen a guy get his shirt, actually just his jacket ripped off, but ha- it had that feeling when I was a kid, like, that, like, like it's going to hurt worse because your shirt is, like, yeah. like when it used to be a thing where, like, you would, like, the heel would, like, rip somebody's shirt off. Like, rip untuck their pants and, like, whip them with the belt or something like that. And, and you just forget about the fact that these guys never wear shirts. Like, wearing the shirt is the, is the exception. But, man, when he, like, Jericho was, like, I don't know, the jacket came off and I was just like, oh, Kevin, don't hurt him too bad.
1: You know, like, it was, made it seem really legit. Even yeah. though it was obviously a worked, uh,
0: a worked beatdown, there wasn't anything particularly stiff. It looked, it looked tough. And the, and the, we it, we have to say that like the reason why this segment was as effective as it was, and presumably everybody listening to this saw it, but if you didn't, Jericho had it, it through a friendship, a festival of friendship, to celebrate he and Kevin Owens' union, long time partnership, um, and it ended after a lot of grousing and uh, an appearance by Gilbert (laughs) and uh, a painting and a trophy. A magician too. Oh, and a magician. It ended with Kevin Owens turning on Jericho. And it wasn't he was upset the whole time, but it wasn't, but this was a premeditated beatdown. He gave him a gift which was a new book of Jericho.
1: How come my name's on this? Oh
0: my god! The reason why it was so successful is because they've teased this like three times and and always pulled it back. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that was just it, it was just really good, really compelling. Let, let me point out the
1: performance of Chris Jericho specifically because there's a moment where he drops character, or at least it seems as though he's dropping character, and he's shooting on Kevin Owens talking about how this was a, his favorite uh, thing that he's done in years and his one of his best runs of all time and that kind of stuff and that he's his best friend, that moment of vulnerability really, really, really cemented that as a great segment, because Jericho has been this sort of larger-than-life, campy figure for most of his run since he came back. Yeah, And to sort of be a regular person for a second
0: and say things that seemed legitimate made the beatdown even worse. Yeah. Yeah, the larger than life thing I thought was—I mean—that that that really gets the heart of it. Like, I remember thinking a few minutes into this, how only Chris Jericho would have the balls to do a promo like this in a in a sequined fedora that's like three <laughs> sizes too small. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like he's he's pouring his heart out, and he looks like a schmuck. Yeah, yeah. It's perfect. It was really great, and yeah. then that
0: popped off. I mean, the hat the hat came off literally, and and. Uh, I don't know what the figurative version of that would be but if the hat came off and and suddenly he was like human he's like this very human figure just getting destroyed by Kevin Owens who despite all of his comedy work over the it, since this partnership began um, can do the powerbomb onto the ring apron and like eyes roll up in the back of his head look better than anybody else in the business you yeah know? he's one of like the, the, the most look, vicious heels there is the most purely evil expressions yeah. um yeah, I mean, it was just really good. Now um, we have. I feel like there's a lot of different ways that they can that the next several weeks can play out. But I mean, Jericho. I mean, Owens has his match at Fastlane. Um, certainly, this is setting up a WrestleMania match between jo- Jericho and Owens, and the ride will be fun. So it, the fact that it's it seems preordained is sort of beside the point. Um, but it is interesting that they're setting it up this far in advance. They're really going to get you know we have a little bit of time to to play with this. It's not just Jericho costing the match at Fastlane, and so they have a match.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh, it seems like Jericho's is probably going to spend some time on the shelf, uh, not on TV to build the heat, and then maybe not even show up at Fastlane. I mean, I think you can see a version of this match uh,
0: uh, where Jer- uh, Goldberg simply just walks all over Kevin Owens. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I hope that Jericho comes back and Fastlander comes back with a with a, a whole new gimmick. I mean, wouldn't that be great if he just got new tights and a new and a, and a new look? Just put him in like rainbow colored tights. No, what you got to do is he's got to come back as classic Y2J
1: with the countdown clock and the regular pants instead Probably of the he needs tights. The regular pants. Can he wear a wig? <laughs> no, let's not go that far. You can keep the short hair, the Bon Jovi haircut. But uh, I, I would mark out huge for just like classic Ayatollah, rock and roll of Chris Jericho.
0: Yeah, that would be really great. I'm all about that. If maybe you can just stay out long, just long enough to grow some bad sideburns, some like weirdly shaped sideburns. Oh, that would be just enough. Like a Lash LaRue sideburn deal. Yeah. Um, listen, we got to get out of here. I know we've missed like a hundred things. Can we talk about Andre the Giant? Oh, we, we got to talk about Andre. We're at 45. We got to talk about Andre. Um, So they announced this week that Bill Simmons Media Group and HBO and WWE are doing an Andre the Giant documentary. We're going to have a whole, we're going to have multiple Andre the Giant related episodes, um, I'm sure, between now and whenever this happens. I I told Bill on his podcast, I was proud of him for calling his shot, for like announcing it and then having like interviews about it. I mean, having podcasts about it and talking about how great it was going to be. I mean, it's going to be great. Andre's, Andre's the best subject in the history of... Document documentaries and, and the WWE you know involvement is what's really going to make it.
1: Yeah, because they you know they uh, aren't always amenable to things like that and, and, and very you know protective of the brand for obvious reasons, for understandable reasons. But the fact that they're opening up, especially someone who was as close to Vince as as Andre was, uh, and as close to Stephanie. Yeah, as he was. Uh, it's going to be great, and, and, and we're going to, I think, learn a lot of stuff that we didn't know before uh, about him. And you know, a, a lot of his spoiler alert: he was actually a robot. Oh my god! That's something I've just found out since we since get out of here. Yeah. Well, how did he? How did he drink so much as a robot? Didn't the? Wouldn't the alcohol like rust him? No, I just shot straight out of a hole in his back. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say a lot of the stuff that he's really known for uh, is on the network, but so much of the stuff that he did before Vince Jr. took over and turned it into a national thing, a lot of his territorial work we don't we haven't seen. So we haven't maybe seen, we and they see and that. they own a
0: lot of that stuff. Yeah. I, mean, I don't I don't know the details. I don't. I haven't. I've not been involved in that process at all. But I can't wait to see what else they have. I'm sure there's a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's really. I don't know if this is going to be like an hour long or two hours long, or I mean, there's a version of it that it's five hours long, and four of those hours are are drinking stories. You know, I said that the it's it's really it's a it's it could be really really cool. Yeah, if it's ten hours, I won't complain. Um, I'll I'll tell Bill you said that. Okay, please do. This is gonna be like this is gonna be our OJ made in America. It's gonna just like be the longest documentary of all time. Fine by me. Um, I think was there was there a. Was there a uh, Sports Illustrated profile of Andre the Giant? Am I remembering that correctly? It might have been. I feel like th- I feel like the longest Sports Illustrated piece of all time was about Andre, and that was sort of the joke. Interesting. Like it's uh, always just this like blown up balloon thing, right? Um, I could be making that up. Who knows? I think there's another pay per view on Sunday that we've forgotten about.
1: There's one every week just now, just like right? a
0: Roadblock Junior. <laughs> um, uh, Oh, is it PWG's this weekend?
1: Our uh, producer, Jim, is talking in our ear, telling us that PWG is very well, important. It's that's not on television
0: or anything, so yeah. most people listening to this will be mad that I mentioned it at all. Uh, we'll be checking that out. Should we go to Raw next week? It's I'm in LA? I'm going to Raw. You're going to Raw? Yeah. Okay. Well, give um, me a ticket, please. Uh, I know I you will, have hookups. I will, I, will, uh, give, I will send you a link to up. Also, the- be sure to watch Peter Rosenberg <laughs> in the Celebrity Game. Oh, the NBA All Star Game. That's right. You know, we both saw Peter this weekend. He seemed to be. Uh, he was. Uh, he was working out, stretching, getting <laughs> ready to shoot some Yeah. All right. Anyway, um, thanks for listening, guys. Apologies to Dean Ambrose, and uh, we'll see you next week, Humanoids.